Hey, good morning again. You know, I was actually really glad that I was really busy this week because in those moments when I would peek at a screen, the things that I would see would just remind me of how broken and how divided we are right now as a nation. And the thing that was probably the most disappointing of all was how some of the ugliest stuff that I saw was coming from people who claimed to be giving a Christian take on things. It's to the point right now where when people ask, hey, what do you do? I don't go with, I'm a pastor. Or at least I'm struggling with using that because pastors are all over the map right now when it comes to things they stand for or things they believe or the lives that they're living. And so I've been wrestling, like, what do I say when people say, hey, what do you do? And I'm wondering about going with this. I'm wondering with just saying, hey, I founded a nonprofit. And what we're trying to do is to help more people become more like Jesus together. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. This world could use more people who are becoming more like Jesus. Can I get an amen for me on this one, Sam? It's just so true. You know, ultimately, that's what this series is about. It's about moving beyond good intentions when it comes to fostering the kind of faith that can overcome the types of challenges that we're facing right now at home and at work and in this crazy world we live in. And that's why we need to have more people more like Jesus because does anyone wish that we were able to discern, and I mean really discern, the voice of God versus these other competing voices out there, just like Jesus could? Does anyone wish that once you knew the right thing to do, that you actually had the conviction and the courage and the strength to do it like Jesus did? In a world where people are constantly disappointing us and also constantly threatening us, would you like to be able to see God's image in them more clearly? so that you could have more compassion, so that you could, you could have new levels of love, so that you could remember that our struggle is not ultimately against flesh and blood, like Jesus did. In a world where people are so divided and are so hell-bent on destroying people who disagree with them, would you like to be part of a movement where people who had once been enemies are finding common ground in Christ? And in an age where stakes are as high as they are today, would you like to have confidence that the things that you're saying and the things that you're doing are helping instead of hurting? Well, if that's the case, let me share some good news with you. Jesus promised to send the same helper who helped him. Let me say that one again. Jesus promised to send the same helper who helped him. One of the things that Jesus promised his followers that he would do was to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is the same helper that Jesus sent is the same helper who helped him. If you have your Bible with you, let's open up to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Hey, if you don't have a Bible at home, we want to point you to YouVersion. Com. They've got a great online Bible app that you can download uh, for free. All right, here we go. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, what does it say? Full of the Holy Spirit. Returned from the Jordan and was led by who? By the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. All right, the Bible says that Jesus was 
full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't promise to send us the NFC East of helpers. That was for you, Dan. Jesus promised to send us the same helper who helped him, the Holy Spirit. Grown up, no one ever pointed this out to me. Well, maybe that's your story too. Ever feel like this? This is from Acts chapter 19, verse two. And Paul said to these people, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what did they say to him? They're like, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. That was basically my story growing up. We had these creeds that we recite and the Holy Ghost would be in there. But we never really talked about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit was and, and how all that worked. Well, when I was in high school, my youth director brought me to something called the International Lutheran Conference on the Holy Spirit. And I had never seen anything like that. Here was this huge auditorium filled with people who weren't just singing. There was a passion in their worship unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And they had this breakout for teens. And in that breakout, the way they talked about the Holy Spirit was, wasn't like just a lecture or a, a lesson about the Holy Spirit. They were showing and demonstrating and instructing us how the Holy Spirit could be at work in our lives and was at work in our lives right now. So I went home from this conference and I went back to my Bible, my, my little third grade Bible. And I remember I took a blue highlighter and I began highlighting references to the Holy Spirit in blue. And those references were all over the place. In the years that followed, I didn't just see the Holy Spirit in my Bible. I began to see the Holy Spirit at work in my life and in the world around me. In the years that follow, I also I also saw instances where people stepped way outside what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. And I saw all kinds of unhealthy things associated with that. But I'll tell you this, when you sincerely seek help from the one who helped Jesus, it is a complete game changer. You may want to write this down too. There is so much more than most people settle for. Without the Holy Spirit, you are a flashlight without the batteries. You are salt that is not salty. Now, the best supplement that I've seen to the scripture when it comes to the experiential aspect of the Holy Spirit is this one, Empowered Evangelicals. This book does a great job of taking the best from the charismatic world, the best from the evangelical world, and bringing them together. The best resource I found when it comes to helping people see how the Holy Spirit is at work in the Bible from Genesis 1-2 all the way to Revelation 22-17 is this one, Rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Here's a quote from this, uh, this last book here. I, I love this. It says, we too easily treat the Holy Spirit as a placeholder for all the extra things in Christianity. Debates over signs and wonders have narrowed the Spirit's repertoire. Amen to that. I've seen so many people who get so focused on the gifts that they miss the point. If I were to list the primary things that the Holy Spirit does, I'd put two things up at the top. Here's the first. The Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. Here's another great quote from uh, that Rediscovering the Holy Spirit book. Our first experience of God is with the Holy Spirit. It is He who makes us aware of and unites us to Christ through whom we meet a gracious Father. 
In 2020, the world lost a great Christian thinker named J.I. Packer. He compared the Holy Spirit to this. He said, the Holy Spirit is like a light that illuminates an amazing cathedral. You don't focus on the light, you focus on the cathedral that the light illuminates. The light helps you behold the cathedral. Here's one of the places where Jesus speaks to this. This is in John chapter 15 and 16, kind of mashed up here together. When the helper comes, he will bear witness about me, said Jesus. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So that's one of the primary things the Holy Spirit does is to draw us to Christ. The Holy Spirit also does this. The Holy Spirit empowers Christians then to become more Christ-like. So the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to Christ and then empowers us to become more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit convicts us of things that aren't right, things that are out of place. He helps us pursue that which is good and true and honorable and just and pure and excellent and worthy of praise. The Holy Spirit helps us experience deep and abiding joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. The Holy Spirit can gift you with, with supernatural giftings like Christ had. Prophecy, words of knowledge, miracles, the ability to heal others. The Holy Spirit even helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't know how to pray, it says in Romans 8, that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, in, in a way that is too deep for words. Well, could any of you use any of those things? All right, well, if we could, how do we get that help, right? How, how do we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives? Well, here's the thing. You ask 10 different Christians that question, how do you get the Holy Spirit in your life? You, you might end up getting 10 different answers. Some are going to say, hey, the Holy Spirit doesn't do those things today that the Holy Spirit did then. There will be some that say, well, this is easy. You get the Holy Spirit when you're baptized. There's others who are going to say, no, it's easy. You get the Holy Spirit when you convert to Christianity. There's going to be others who say, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit will come upon you when someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit prays for you with the laying on of hands. There's going to be others that then say, the sign that you have the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. Why? why? Why are there so many different answers? L let me show you one of the reasons why. Here's just a few examples from just one book of the Bible, the book that we're studying primarily here in this series, the book of Acts. Look at this. In the book of Acts, we find a variety of spirit filling precedences. And I specifically went to passages where it references you're either baptized with the Spirit or filled with the Spirit. Look at this. In Acts 1, 4 through 5, we're instructed to wait for the promise. In Acts 2, 38, the, the instruction is, hey, repent and be baptized. In Acts 4, 31, the Holy Spirit comes when they had prayed. Here's a few more. Uh, we find in Acts 8, uh, 18, that it, the Holy Spirit came through the laying on of, hand, of the apostles' hands. Uh, Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit comes while uh, Peter is sharing the gospel. And in Acts 19, 1 through 7, they received the Holy Spirit after they received instructions, were rebaptized in the name of Jesus and received the laying on of hands. Let's look at a couple of these a little more closely, starting with Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. All right, uh, it says this. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you heard 
from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, so here people had this experience that they called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it came after a period of waiting. After a period of waiting. Okay, now let's turn to Acts uh, 4.31, another one of the references that we gave you. Uh, in this instance, what happened here is that Peter and John had just been arrested. They had been arrested for talking about Jesus. And as soon as they were released from their arrest, they huddled up with some of their friends and their prayer, their prayer was a really positive rejoicing prayer. It was about how everything that had just happened, including the rest, including the persecution, they, they recognized everything that was happening to them, including the bad things, had been foretold in the scriptures. And they said, God, as they were praying, we pray for boldness in the face of persecution. Okay, then this happens. Acts 4.31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. All right, a couple interesting things to point out in this passage. Number one, they weren't asking to be filled. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Um, it just happened. And number two, interesting to note, there were people in the room like Peter and John who had already been filled. So when these people asked God to empower them, when they were praying and saying, God, help us to be able to witness more boldly, help us to be able to witness more effectively, it appears as though they were filled again. They're filled again. In that moment, they received help from the helper who had helped Jesus. All right, <laughs> let me give you some more passages here. In several other instances, there's a connection between the Holy Spirit and water baptism. But here's the thing it doesn't always happen the same way or in the same order. Take a look at this. Acts 2.38, water baptism comes first and the laying on of hands isn't even mentioned. In Acts 18, water baptism comes first, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit until the laying on of hands. In Acts 10.44, the Holy Spirit fell without the laying on of hands before they were baptized. All right, are you beginning to see? Are you beginning to see? why people have different ideas about when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Another thing that we see when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit sometimes fills people in the midst of a crisis. Here are a few examples of times that the Bible says that people were specifically filled or refilled with the Holy Spirit in especially challenging moments. We have Acts 4.8, Peter is on trial and he's filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. There's Acts 13.9 where Paul is being confronted and he receives the, is filled with the Spirit in that moment. We see people filled in the midst of persecution in Acts 13.52 and the Holy Spirit gives preemptive warnings in Acts 21 verses four and 11. Okay, and if that's not enough, then there's this. Stephen and Barnabas are described as full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's not connected to a specific moment when the Holy Spirit comes. It's more of just that's who they are. All right, so given all of these precedents, if you want more help from the helper who helped Jesus, okay, where do you start? Where do you start? Which of these things, where do you start? Well, if you ask me, and when people ask me, I generally start here. 
I start with these words, and these are words from Jesus himself. They're found in Luke. So let's go back to Luke. And, and here's the reason why we're doing Luke and Acts. Uh, we mentioned this last week. Uh, Luke is, is the author of both Luke and Acts. Luke is meant to be volume one. Acts is volume two. So these, these are closely connected works. So here we go. Words of Jesus in Luke, chapter 11, verse 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, here's the passage that we'll have up on the screen here for you. Uh, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who do what? To those who ask. Those who ask. Place to write this in your notes. The Holy Spirit is a good gift that our Father loves to give. Jesus says, we can ask the Father for this gift. So here's a question I want to leave you with. When was the last time that you sincerely asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Sincerity matters. In Acts 7, 51, we read that we can resist the Holy Spirit. So when was the last time where you sincerely asked to say, without any conditions, Father, I ask for you to fill me or to fill me again with your Holy Spirit without holding anything back. Well, there's a lot of precedence here. One of the reasons I feel great about just asking you to ask right where you are is we have all these precedents that, that, are, that are different in so many ways. So there's, there's not one passage here that says you must have someone pray this with you. So right where you are right now, you can ask for more of the Holy Spirit to be stirred up in your life or to fill you right now. But if you would like a Spirit-filled person to join you in that prayer, following that precedence where, where there was a laying on of hands and people praying for you, we would be honored to figure out how we can do that with you. So all you need to do is go to manu.church slash next um, and use that connection card and, and just let us know that you would like that too. We would love to help you with that as well. We'll figure it out. Whether you do it alone, whether you do it with someone else, whether you were baptized before or you get baptized after, for your sake and for the sake of our world, ask the Father for this good gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need more people who are more like Jesus in our world. And that's one, here's one of the things. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, wonderful things the Holy Spirit does, is to help us become more like Jesus. I love and agree with this quote, conversion is the greatest miracle. The transformation of a broken life into a new creation, it takes nothing short of a miraculous resurrection. And that's where we're going to pick up next week because that imagery is tied in also with water baptism. So next week, I'm really excited to dig in and to talk about how all these things connect together, the role that water baptism plays in us becoming more like Jesus. I'm really excited to pick up there uh, next week. But before we close, I've got a story to share with you from just this week. On Tuesday, we had our elder meeting. And if you're not familiar with what our elder board is here at this church, our elder board, maybe the closest analogy I can give you, it's like the Supreme Court. 
It's a really significant body here at our church. The Emmanuel's members elect these leaders to represent them in leadership. They have the authority to determine whether or not any decision that any leader at our church makes is aligned with our bylaws and our articles of incorporation and our values and our beliefs. They're also the place where some of our most challenging and important decisions are brought for careful deliberation. So this is a big deal group. Well, we were on a Zoom meeting on Tuesday and partway into the meeting, little Brady Herman comes into, into view on the screen and he snuggles up next to his dad on the couch. It was so cute. As a pastor... I couldn't be happier than when I looked at, at that and I saw how when he came on the screen, instead of these, these powerful people, you know, getting upset, they welcomed this little child. It seems to me Jesus did that, right? And as Brady sat, he was really interested in what we were doing. And as Brady sat and he watched the screen, what Brady got to see when he watched a screen with grown-ups is he saw people whose only agenda was to seek God together. On a night when we had these big and important and potentially divisive things on our agenda, little Brady got to see grown-ups acting like grown-ups in an age when there are so many people on every screen we turn on, so many people who are engaging in so many unhelpful and unhealthy behaviors, we have an opportunity to model something very, very different. Something that Jesus modeled for us. So if you, if you want more of what Jesus had, if you want that same helper who helped Jesus, to be active and present in your life, let's pray that prayer. Let's ask the Father right now for that gift. Let's pray. Father, how amazing is it? I'm just, I, I'm just once again reminded of how amazing, how amazing this is that you invite us to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same helper who helped Jesus. So Father, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present and descending on each individual as an individual, opening each one of our minds and each one of our hearts so that we could truly and sincerely invite you to come in and fill us, casting out, maybe immediately or certainly over time, that which is not of you, and helping us each day becoming more and more like Jesus. This we pray in the mighty name our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.